And so what I'm a huge advocate of is helping um, guys reclaim their masculinity, reclaim their God-given inherent masculine traits and seeing how empowered they are to do so much wonderful service in the world and, and even even in their own families by, by helping people feel safe. And it's something that hasn't really, it, it, it didn't really happen before and it certainly isn't happening now because you know, we get, I get wives, you get wives that tell us all the time, you know, they want their men to, you know, be leaders, take charge, step up, take control. And men are scared to do that because they grew up with fathers who are also passive and they don't know how to do it. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I know that you are in for a good one today. Like, I'm just setting it up already. Your expectations should be so high. And I say that because uh, I have a man on the other end today. You're looking at him if you're watching. You'll hear from him in a second. But I just immediately knew. So we met about, man, a couple of months ago now. We're in the same mastermind group together. Um, I had been in for a little while and, and he was invited in. And I immediately knew there was just something about Quentin that was just so different. He is a very humble, he's super chill, but he's a total badass. And you would know that uh, even if you like saw the copy or the cover of his book, because he's the author of a book called Black Belt Husband. And that's not just like some cheesy title, like he's really just a badass. Uh, in addition to that, he's a husband and a father. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. So he actually has certification and credibility to talk about the things that he does. He's coaching men to help them become better in their relationships, but ultimately helping them to become better in their lives as the men that uh, they've been created to be. So as you can tell, I'm pretty hyped up on it. But for now, Quentin Hafner, what's up, dude? Welcome. Awesome, Ryan. It's quite the intro, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to say about all that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> See, that's the humility just coming through already. You're like, I so know. Chill. I'm just like, oh, I just want to crawl out of the room. It's too much. <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm excited. I'm excited to chat, and uh, I really appreciated getting to know you too and our our budding friendship. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, I look forward to you know hearing where this conversation goes. All right. So, what I do want to know is a question that we. I often ask um, everybody on the podcast, it, it's it's something that has become really kind of the driving force for season two of the podcast. We're talking about authenticity and authentic conversations, but it really now stems from this, this opportunity to talk about manhood in, in a world where, boy, is that distorted. So before I just show my cards to you, even though you kind of know, um, how would you describe or define manhood or masculinity? Mm, gosh, what a great question. Thank you. <laughs> what a, no, truly, what a great question. What a great question. Um, <clears throat> I'll just kind of, I'll give you some thoughts that are kind of rattling around in my head and we can just kind of see where it goes. So one of the first things I think about when I, when I hear you kind of asking that question is um, the difference between being a man and being good at being a man. Mm. And so when I think about um, uh, masculinity in its, 
in its uh, most beautiful form, it's us being good at being men. But mm. I think, of course, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's been kind of under attack lately. In the mm-hmm. you know, of course, it's been under attack in the media, and uh, and I think it's been under attack for some for you know truly for some really good reasons and some important reasons. But just like so many things, the the pendulum always swings too far, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think a lot of guys out there, um, uh, feel ashamed to, to, to own their masculinity or to, uh, they feel ashamed if they were to announce to the world that they're good at being men, because mm. somehow I think that's become kind of like something that we shouldn't be proud of anymore. And I think because of that, it's creating a lot of problems in our culture. Yeah, that's does, really does that make, yeah. I don't know if that's landing on you in any no, way. No, no, no. I, I I think that's really good. So, um, I've tried to pry into this one with it with a couple of people on the show because I think it's so important. So, where do you feel like? So you talk about, um, you know the the distortions today, and some of them rightfully so. So you know where do you feel like? Uh, today in society, uh, we've seen um, bad reactions to uh, manhood, manhood and masculinity, bad distortions of it. And then where do you feel like um, we, I'll just say we in general as men have been called out in, in the right places and need to do a better job? And you could you could pick which, which lane you mm-hmm. want to walk down first. Well, I think historically, um, and, and, you know, sometimes, um, I get in trouble kind of saying this, but, um, bring it. I think that, um, relationship problems are, um, mostly the responsibility and the fault of men. Mm. And, and I say that as a man, a man's man, I love my male clients, I, I love the world of men. I'm a huge proponent of masculinity. But <clears throat> the reason I say that is because men typically carry more power in relationships than women. And I think with that increased sense of power, we have a greater sense of responsibility to make sure that people inside the relationship feel safe. Mm. And, and so historically, I think if we look back at in time and we kind of look at it more like sociologically, I think men have taken advantage of their power. They've taken advantage of the position of power that they, that have been, that has been kind of bestowed to them. And, um, if we look back, like think, you know, quintessential kind of, you know, 1950s kind of family and, um, of course, it wasn't all bad, but there was a there was a really big cultural shift that came out of that. It, you know, we think you know 1960s. You know, the big feminist movement, and you know, the feminist movement was really born out of that 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 space and time where women felt you know uh, disempowered generally in their in their in their systems in their families. Yep. And and I think that if we're going to be really honest about it, we have to look at that and say, you know you know, we could probably understand that, you know, there was a ton of abuse back then there was, there was, you know, unreported abuse. It just, there was, there was some really unfortunate things happening in our, in our, in our society at that time. And so, you know, the onset of the feminist movement was born out of that, 
as a, as kind of a rebellion to masculinity. I don't even want to use that word. Uh, it was out of a rebellion to males and men abusing their power. And so we kind of fast forward into, you know, 2022 and we're still kind of dealing with the repercussions of that. And, And what's happened in a in 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 a different way is that the pendulum swung really far to the other side and mm-hmm. men have given up their power almost completely and I'm, I'm using big generalizations of course it doesn't yeah. apply to everybody but men have given up their power men have acquiesced their masculinity to their partners their wives and um so we've moved from being in this more dominant position in relationships and to being in a very passive position in relationships. So the average American husband today in 2022 is not a dominant partner at all. Mm. They've done a ton of stuff. They've done a ton of studies on this. The, the, the average husband is in fact more passive and is married to a more dominant wife. And this is where we get all these cliches, you know, my wife's mm-hmm. ball and chain and, <laughs> you know, and uh, all the guys' all balls are in the wife's stuff that we have to, Yeah. Right. Yeah. All that stuff, you know, <laughs> she wears the pants, et cetera, yep, et cetera. Yep. And, um, and, and, and so what I'm a huge advocate of is helping, um, guys reclaim their masculinity, reclaim their God-given inherent masculine traits and seeing how empowered they are to do so much wonderful service in the world. And, and even, even in their own families by, by helping people feel safe. And it's something that hasn't really, it, it, it didn't really happen before. And it certainly isn't happening now because, mm. you know, we, we get, I get wives, you get wives that tell us all the time, you know, they want their men to, you know, be leaders, take charge, step up, take control. And men are scared to do that because they grew up with fathers who are also passive and they don't know how to do it. Yeah, it's so good. Gosh, there was like... <clears throat> nine things there that I'm like, Oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh, we're going to talk about that. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to retreat. No, that's so, so good. Time, yeah. No, 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 no. I I loved it all because I, I, I love how you, you unpack that in a way that gets us to present day. Uh, it's interesting because <clears throat> one of the things that kept coming up in my mind as you were sharing each of those things was, uh, you know, there's this quote that uh, everybody today attributes to Peter Parker's uncle uh, in Spider-Man when uh, Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility, which really that goes all the way back to Voltaire. Uh, I don't necessarily know the context in which Voltaire was sharing that because I'm not a study of him, but it's so true. And so, you know, we uh, and again, like I, I'm all for the overgeneralizations for right now, because I, I just think that most of us can take some, some learning from this. We have abused our power. We have abused the calling and role that God has on our lives by not taking responsibility or by abusing the responsibility. And so, you know, to your point, like, you know, going back to the fifties and the feminist movement, like guys were total douches back then, which is why the women had to rally together to stand up, to fight for themselves. Yes. There was not great things that came out of that movement. uh, And, you know, not everything is perfect, but ultimately they had to do something because they were just like being dominated. And that that's not what power the, the power that we've been given uh, was ultimately, you know, uh, uh, created to do. And then all the way to today, I love the fact that it's like most men are powerless, which is why 
we are seeing that so much of the, at least I believe, so much of the destruction and breakdown of society today overall is because, not because women are in power, but because men have just abdicated their responsibility and, and, and they have no power whatsoever. They have no voice, whether it's in the home or in society, and they have cowered. And the, and the more that society pushes against that, the more men seem to cower. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that there are some, <clears throat> unfortunately, I think that there's some institutions, i.e. the therapy community and the church as a whole, I think mm -hmm. have done a really destructive job on helping men claim their power, but also teach them how to harness it for the greater good. Mm. And I think, and so because, because people in those communities haven't really understood how to do that, or, you know, they, they come to the table with their own kind of unresolved baggage. What, what we do is we shame men and we shame, yeah. we shame the hell out of them. And we tell them that they're bad and they're toxic and that masculinity is toxic and that they're destructive and so as, as, as a way for men to cope in a society that's so shaming and antagonistic towards men, men become total pussies. And we, we, like you said, we cower, we, we advocate responsibility. We become very deferential and acquiescent and we just say, okay, whatever you want. And then they're, but, but simultaneously, it's not a good, it's not a good solution because all these guys are, um, about to explode and filled with rage and resentment. Mm. And they do eventually, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the champagne uh, cork kind of pops <laughs> and, you know, they, they kind of um, do some really destructive things. So um, <clears throat> I'm, I, I, you know, I, I was just reading this one statistic recently about like, and I'm sure you, you, you know more about this Ryan than I do, but just about men, um, really not going to church, you know, and it was this, you know, statistic about this, like downward decline of, you know, men not going to church and, and like, you know, how, you know, most, most churches were really filled with women and, and wives were trying to drag their men to church and they could figure out how to do it. And, and, and I, I read that and I thought it's the same as, it's the same thing as therapy, you know, and it's, it's the exact same thing as therapy. No, you know, um, you know, women, you know, they'll message me all the time. How, should, how can I get my men? How can I get my guy to come? You know, and, you know, he doesn't want to come. And, I, and I'm like, you know, I don't blame him for not wanting to come because uh, he's talked to all his friends and his friends have gone before and they know what happens. You know, the man gets, you know, basically the shit kicked out of him, you know, and then he has to pay for it. And yeah. he's like, you know, I don't really want to do that. And so I think a lot of guys, they don't really have, um, this is a, this is a roundabout way of me trying to say that, I don't think guys have spaces to know how to be masculine men in a safe way. That's right. I don't think that there's role models. I mean, I don't think your average pastor knows how to do that. I don't think your average therapist knows how to do that. And so guys are kind of just left on their own. And, you know, there's, you know, and then we, you know, there's this whole online world now that people are kind of gravitating to. And that's why guys like Jordan Peterson have become so popular is because mm -hmm. he offers guys a little bit of that perspective about how to kind of stand on their own two feet in their masculine in their masculinity without shaming them. Yeah. You know, okay. I, I want to go farther down the really this thought process of 
you know, power and taking power. But I think that there is something else that has, and, and you just, you just use one of the words there when you talk about shame. I think there's something else that has really destroyed men. And part of this is their responsibility. Part of this is because I don't think there's space for it. And it's, um, earlier you said, um, you know, kind of like we're overwhelmed with all these like emotions. We've kind of been like, just, you know, stuffed off into the corner. We don't know how to do. So like all this rage and anger comes out, but so much of that even is the result of shame, of fear, of, um, feelings of less than it's like, it's all these like, um, sadness. It's all of these things that, um, for a long period of time. And even now in some circles, it's like men don't cry. Men don't talk about their emotions. Men don't like shame. Don't be a bitch, right? Like whatever, like you know, that has been also a part of this narrative. So it's all these competing things. And so I often find that because guys don't know where to go with their emotions, they end up not dealing with them. And then they just become far more destructive in their own lives and in their relationships because they don't like, what do you do? Google, who do I talk to when I feel ashamed? Like what guy would do that? And what the hell is going to come up on Google? If you were to, you know, if you were to put something like that into a search bar. So do you, do you see, I know you, I mean, you've counseled so many men and you're now coaching so many men. Like, do you see so many men struggling to figure out what to do with those types of emotions, which I guess I would consider, um, um, you know, signs of at least thought, you know, thought to be weak or maybe feminine. I hear a lot of people say, Oh, those are the fat. That's the feminine side of you or whatever. Like, do you see that? A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. And, um, when I, when I hear things in that kind of a narrative, like, you know, man up, um, you know, and I grew, I grew up with, I, I remember very vividly, my dad telling me if I, if I was crying as a little kid, he would say, you better stop crying or else I'm going to give you something to cry about. Mm. And so, you know, he was that kind of stereotypical person who was so disconnected from his own emotions. Mm. You know, he couldn't tolerate the emotions in other people. And so that kind of set me on a path in my own life of not feeling, uh, uh, you know, feelings were weak, emotions were weak. And, you know, that, that's another story, but that created a whole bunch of destruction in my own life. And so guys, yeah, as a general rule of thumb, if Can I was going to put wait, some, wait, was, wait, before, before yeah. you give this, yeah, yeah, this opinion, I don't yeah. want to glaze over what you just said. And I would actually like to hear more about it because I think it's helpful because there's a guy listening right now that had a similar experience growing up and they feel like they're the only person because no other guy has talked to them about that. And then they have no freaking idea how to grow from it or how to get out of it. So are you willing to share a little bit more? So you said like, you dealt with a, a, a parent relation, a father son relationship like that, and it created all this destruction. So what, what did that look like for you through stages of life until you, I don't know, came, came to some realization that this isn't the way life's going to go anymore? 
Yeah. Um, no, that's great. I'm glad you stopped me. Um, so what my dad, this is kind of like my father wound and mm. most guys walking around, if I guess, let's just say all guys have kind of some kind of father wound. So my father wound was, I was very scared of my dad. He was a very intimidating force. He was, he was a, um, he was a violent person. He was very scary. And so as a, as a, as a young person growing up, he, he's the, he would be the kind of person that you wouldn't dare show vulnerability or kind of weakness around. And so because of that, what I became really good at is hiding it at all. I became really good at being, um, uh, I, I became really good at feigning strength and feigning having it together. But deep inside, there was just a mountain of pain. There was, there was so much sadness. There was um, so much fear. But I could never acknowledge any of those emotions. I could never talk to anybody about any of those emotions. I could never, I could never even, um, you know, kind of mention them. And so, what I had to do, and what we, what what anybody would do in this kind of situation, is that we learn how to suppress. And you know, suppression is just that fancy kind of psychological word to describe kind of burying your feelings. And we just kind of bury our feelings. We push them down, and we push them down, and we push them down. And what, how it actually, how it eventually came out in my life is that in my teenage years, um, I would get in trouble at school um, for, you know, for fighting or for having some outbursts in a class. And then fast forward, I eventually got married um, in my mid twenties, and I was the biggest rageaholic in my own marriage. And it ended up resulting in, um, my wife, my first wife's leaving me. And the, the, that anger that I felt, and I, and I, and I know that there's somebody listening to this that can resonate with this, but that, 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 that anger I felt was all a byproduct of all those years, pushing my feelings down and pushing my feelings down and pushing my feelings down and that's the thing about suppression is that we do it in the short run. It never really works in the long run. And we end up taking all that sadness and that hurt and that fear. That, that's what I did. And it kind of morphs into just being really pissed off all the time. And my anger was the thing that caused a lot of havoc in my life. It got me in a lot of trouble. I mean, I think by the grace of God, I'm not in jail, you know, mm. or doing something stupid because of that anger. But it caused a whole bunch of other damn, you know, a failed marriage and, you know, broken relationships with friends. And then it kind of set me on a path. Eventually, I found myself in a therapist's office and uncovering all that historical hurt that had, wow. that had been kind of buried inside of me since the age of five. Who, who how, how did you find yourself in a therapist's office? So going through the divorce that my, my divorce, I, I ended up, I think I was 27 when I, when I got a divorce, I was married wow. for a very short time, a couple of years. And, um, it was 
it was kind of like the tipping point in my life. It was like the catalyst in my life where all my coping mechanisms, everything that I knew how to kind of get through life just stopped working. I couldn't really function anymore. Uh, I, I became very depressed. I became suicidal. I kept thinking that, um, you know, basically if this was life, it wasn't really worth living. And, and truly out of a out of a place of desperation, I um, asked uh, somebody at church if they had, you know, a recommendation for like a psychologist. I didn't even know what therapy was. I didn't know, you know, but I had, I guess I had enough experience where someone said maybe like, oh, you should try that or something. And so mm -hmm. out of, out of, out of, out of a de desperate place, I reached out to somebody and it really became a life changing event for me, like over the course of like seven or eight years. And mm -hmm. of course, not everybody needs to be in therapy that long, but I come from a really extensive trauma history. I had a lot of stuff to kind of unwrap and it's of course it's it, it became it became you know my experience in therapy became the reason I became a therapist. It's why I'm so passionate now about helping people who you know have gone you know through their own struggles because you know by the grace of God I've kind of come out the other side and I'm in such a different place now. So I I really know what I re I really have a redemptive story, and so as that kind of optimistic person that I am, I'm. I'm always wanting to kind of offer that to other people and mm -hmm. give them the experience that I've had. Do what I love so much. I mean, first of all, there are so many things in there that if we were offline and having our own conversation, I would share all the similarities that you and I have, which is just fascinating to me. I can't wait to like get together and hang out in, in a few weeks and, and talk some more about that. But to me, like uh, assessing the whole situation, like for the I believe for the first time in your life, you making a commitment to go to therapy was the first time you really demonstrated your manhood. And I just think that that's so incredible. It's not that you didn't do manly things before. And it's not that you never, you know, that you were all awful all the time, but so many men, and, and I've been here more than once, like we find ourselves imprisoned to this life that we've created for ourselves, You know, you talked earlier about just stuffing the frustration down, stuffing the anger down. I can deal with it. I can, I can, I, I can deal with my own shame. I, if I'm in a crowd doing pride, like I, you know, whatever, like just stuffing it and stuffing it. And we become imprisoned to, to that. Like we're fighting so hard against it. And you've, regardless of whether it was desperation or not, like there were other ways out in theory, at least, um, self-medication, suicide, like there were just a lot of other things you could have done, but you took probably one of the most difficult roads possible to stand some stranger in the face or stare some stranger in the face and tell them that you were a mess or that you were messed up or that you were desperate. Like men are not conditioned to do that. And to say that it's like back to your dad's thing. It's like, dude, tough it out. Quit being such a sissy. And, and I think it's incredible, Quentin, that like, again, you know, regardless of how much God had to beat you up to, to, to get you to that place, like that is just unreal to me. Like how much that demonstrates true manhood.
It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's so fascinating to me. So you, you step out on this journey um, and, and kind of now back to, which again, I think it's super helpful for guys to hear. Like, I pray that there's not people listening that are at that place where it's like, I'm at the end of myself. I'm contemplating really terrible things that, you know, nothing else left, but to try this, but now here you are and you're encouraging so many, so many men in this. And so how, how do you feel as you've been on this journey? Um, how are you trying to, cause you talked about redemption now, like, how are you trying to help men redeem their masculinity, their manhood? Like, where are the things that come to the surface for you that are like, these are some of the first things that I really want people to hear and talk about, because I feel like either they align with who you are or their significant challenges that people are facing. So are there a few things that you, you really gravitate towards? Um, I think I'm understanding your question. I'll answer it in, in the way I think I'm understanding it. So, um, you know, being <clears throat> being a therapist to to men, um, it's such a it's such a privilege. And I'm not saying this in like a cheesy cliche way. I'm just saying like in a very sincere way. It's such a privilege because you know when guy I know when guys reach out to me, they're in a really tough place Mm. and and to feel you know it's it's such an honor and i I respect my clients so much uh, for all the things that you were saying about my experience and i I appreciate what you're saying because i remember i remember it as if it was yesterday sitting in my therapist's office in that very first appointment and my hands were just shaking and i was sweating and my heart was racing and i I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what he, what this person was going to ask me. And I was terrified of what road he might go down or, you know, what thing he was going to uncover in me. And I, truthfully, I was that way for probably the first year in therapy, every single appointment feeling so nervous. And, you know, and, and I, I have this weird kind of dichotomy that I feel like it's shaped my life and it, it shaped my work so much too. You know, I grew up with this really kind of archetype, you know, traditional, you know, masculine guy. Okay. By my definition of masculinity, you know, he's not really masculine, but I'm just using that word because I, I you know, everyone knows what I'm talking about. So I grew up, and all my role modeling and my influencing and all my belief systems were wrapped up in this kind of guy. And then I had this experience in therapy where I started getting in touch with my emotions and feeling and crying and, you know, sitting with in the presence of another man and, and, and just feeling, you know, just overwhelmed with sadness and, you know, talking about, you know, my life experience or something that I was going through. And so what happened for me is like, I felt so perplexed, like, how can these worlds coexist? You know, like I grew up with a father and he was a man and he was this way. And then now I'm sitting in this therapist's office and, and and now I'm having this total other experience that was so contradictory to my childhood. And, and so it was like, well, what is, what is a man? What, what, like back to your kind of very original question, you know, what is a man? And I, I kind of really wrestled with that for a really long time and, and trying to kind of understand, was it this or was it that? And, you know, and, 
you know, being shaped and influenced, you know, by other people. And I, and at the end of the day, what I realized that it was both mm. and, and to integrate both aspects is essential for healthy masculinity and healthy manhood. I think there is an aspect inside us men that are inherently violent. We know how to destruct and we know how to kill and it's in our DNA. And there's, there's, there's no amount of progressive thinking that's going to get rid of that. And also we are emotional creatures and we have feelings. And just because we have a penis doesn't mean that we don't get sad. It doesn't mean that we don't get scared and, 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 and that it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be scared and it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to be vulnerable. And it's okay to, it's okay to admit that you're scared and that you're, that you're, that you're needing help, you know, going back to our mastermind group and like the whole essence of that group is about or not the whole essence, but a big part of it is like, Hey, I'm struggling. I need help with something. Could you guys help me with something? You know, I, I, can, I can honestly say that I don't even know. I mean, it must have taken me, you know, 30 years of my, of my life before I ever asked another man for help because that was a sign of weakness. So merging those two worlds has been really kind of like my passion and helping men merge those two worlds and understand the essentialness of merging those two worlds to live a really high quality life. <laughs> Gosh. So as you were sharing, you know, I just, I, I, I couldn't help but think, and good Lord, there's, there's going to be someone that's listening to this right now and you are going to be so offended by what I'm going to say. And it just is what it is with such a distortion of gender today. And, and, and this, this idea that, you are what you think you are versus what God created you to be in so many ways was just so perfectly answered with what you said without you, without me asking a question like that. And without me saying that that's the answer you were trying to give, but we live in a society that says like, like to men, you know, if you, if you're a young boy and you play with, girl toys, or, uh, I mean, I think there's still some boundaries that we need to keep here, but like, you know, if you feel this way, then, then maybe you should think about the fact that you're maybe not a man or a boy, you're a girl, which is crazy to even think that like, they're telling our kids this, but like, it's just, it's so, it's so distorted because, you know, we we've gone with like kind of how you feel and how you experience life dictating who you are, you know, who you were created to be in your identity. And, and yet you just painted this beautiful picture and obviously it's going to work itself out differently because some men have tendencies towards maybe a strength on one side versus a strength on the other. And that's totally okay. But you just talked about this integration of the, what I'm going to call like the rough and tumble, the, the, the tough, the, the protector, the fighter, the, you know, the structure working with my hands, like that kind of side of quote unquote manhood. And then at the same time, you talked about the necessity to experience and experience and express emotion, the crying, the, the, the humility, the dealing with shame. Like it, it, it's like, this is how we were created to begin with. And 
again, you, you may swing somewhat to one side or the other, but you need to understand that as a man, we were created with both. And if we don't fight to keep both integrated, we begin to lose a sense of who we are. And then the distortion just runs wild. Like, yeah, very well said. Yeah. Very, I think that very well said, Ryan. And, um, I, I think culture, um, culture is getting it completely wrong. Mm. And, um, but so let me say it this way, culture's reaction or response to a problem is completely wrong, but the problem is important to address their, their, their way of dealing with it is insanity. But the problem is important to address. And part of the problem is what we're talking about right now that, you know, if a, if a, if a, um, you know, if a 13 year old boy is more sensitive and he's been, you know, he, he grew up to, to, to believe, you know, that, you know, he, that expression of emotion was wrong or bad, or that he would be threatened for something like that. And then, you know, he's with his peer group at school and they say, Oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe you're a girl, you know, because you have these kind of traditional feminine qualities because he is more sensitive. And then all of a sudden, so that's the, that's the, the, the way of dealing with it that I don't believe is accurate or correct, but the problem is still valid. And, and, the, and the problem is that a, a sensitive young 13 year old boy is not supposed to feel because that's not what boys do. And, and if, he, if he has those feelings inside of a locker room or if he's scared or he doesn't wanna play on the football team because that feels overwhelming to him, then he gets teased, you know, because we still are dealing with the remnants of that, that old way of looking at masculinity. And we haven't we haven't been able to do the integration at a, at a young age because most of the dads out there. I'm not saying this in a shitty way towards dads, but you know the dads haven't learned it either, and so they yeah. just they do the same thing to their kids, and then it just repeats itself. And I I I, I love that you said that too. Like <clears throat> you know, I feel like every every problem in America today has just kind of been piled on the millennial generation, um, when in reality you know, these have been problems that have been perpetuated for generation after generation. And um, wherever we are in this time spectrum or, you know, wherever we're at in season of life, we need to realize more than likely that we're some part of the problem, that we can offer some part of the solution, but we've got to be willing to go for it. You know, we've got to be willing to step into it and do it. We can't just stand back, cross our arms and hope that things change. And I believe that as men, part of our responsibility is to stand up and lead the way to go first. Like we, we, we can't, it, it, it is scary. It's scary to talk about manhood and gender as a, particularly as a white Christian male, like there, there's, there's no worse person in society today to be talking about these topics. Like I've been annihilated when I talk about this, this clip is going to go on social media, I'm sure. Cause it's a good one. And somebody is going to message me and tell me how bigoted and entitled and awful I am for saying the things that I did, but it's like, we have to be willing 
again, back to great power comes great responsibility. Like we need to be willing to say like for whatever part God's called me to play, I'm going to, I'm going to step up and I'm going to play and I'm going to be willing to take whatever shit's coming my way because like it's my calling. It's my responsibility. Too many of us have just stood back and just hoped somebody else was going to do something about it. And then there's one guy that we're like, oh, see that guy, he's doing it. Like you talk about Jordan Peterson, which he has done a great job in so many ways, or Joe Rogan and, and you know, stepped into it in so many ways. And, and it's like, I, I, I love that. I, I love to see that. But at the same time, like it's, it's, it's going to take more than two. You know, it's going to take us all playing our part. And, 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 and yet, if we would do that, not only do we have an opportunity to turn society, but I think more importantly, we have an opportunity to impact the people that God has put right into our circle, right? Which is something that you're spending so much time on, you know, like th- this, this, this marriage relationship and family, like that's where it starts, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, we're, we're talking about, you know, big names, you know, but we don't need to be big names. And, um, it, you know, there, anybody listening to this, I want, you know, it's like, I want to just remind everybody listening to this, that you, everybody listening to this is a leader. Mm-hmm. You have some sphere of influence in your life. Somebody looks up to you. Somebody admires you. Somebody is looking at you as a role model for how to do life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since we're talking about guys, and you know masculinity and 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 manhood you know consider this an invitation to grow in this area you know because what i find you know we're we're talking about these dichotomies of of what i think healthy masculinity is it's it's on one hand you know you know tapping into the kind of ancestral dna that's inside of us that was you know that had to go hunt lions and then there's this more sensitive feeling aspect. So we're talking about integrating those two aspects. And I find today, most guys don't know how to do either one of them. That's right. Most guys couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. And most guys have no idea what they're feeling at any given time. And so you have a bunch of kind of shell of men. And I'm saying this so empathetically. It's not, I'm not condemning guys. I'm not trying to insult anybody listening to this. I'm saying, I want to invite you into a more robust life, a more full life where you're going to be the big beneficiary where I'm going to be, you know, if I, as I grow and I get better at merging these two worlds, I'm the big beneficiary. And so, you know, we have, but we have to start with ourselves. You know, we can't teach this to somebody if we don't really do it ourselves, we can't say, Oh, you know, you need to be this way if we don't really do it ourselves. And so I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I I fail at it often, but my whole thing is that, you know, I try to, I try to live it. And what I've experienced is that the more I live it, the more rewarding and fruitful my life really seems to become. Yeah. I mean, and even in the failure, like get over it. You know, you are going to fail. You're going to screw up. As a matter of fact, some of the times, you know this, right? Like the, the, the best way to demonstrate character is to show people how you react when you fail, how you admit to it, how, how you repent of it. If it was something intentional that you did, how you reconcile the situation, redeem the situation, learn and grow from it and move forward. Again, like that, that that's such a, you know, people always say like, I don't fail. I learn, I whatever. And it's like, dude, you failed own that, you know, be a man about it, like own it. And then 
show the world or your wife and kids at home how you're going to deal with it and lead that way. But we just run, right? We just totally run. Yeah, we run because we have to, you know, in order, in order for anybody to admit wrongdoing, be humble, have that kind of self-awareness, you know, for me to raise my hand and say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a total fuck up and I failed. We, we have to be strong enough to be willing mm-hmm. to do that. You know, and, and, and I don't, I'm not saying that I get it wrong too. You know, sometimes there's so many more, there's so many opportunities where I could have taken better responsibility, but it's scary to take responsibility. But I think the more we can, you know, tap into that God-given strength that is mm-hmm. inherent, it's like inside of our bones, we can say, you know what? Yeah, I screwed up. I failed. And, you know, know what? hopefully we are surrounding ourselves with safe people. You know, going back to my childhood, my childhood wasn't safe enough mm-hmm. to admit wrongdoing. It wasn't safe enough to be humble. It wasn't safe enough to... Um, say that I was, that I failed because there would be some really negative repercussion. So this goes back to a community comment that you, that you mentioned that you said earlier, you know, I think that for, for guys listening to this, we have to have a band of brothers in our lives that, you know, that, that we can work this stuff out with, you know, guys that will support us and accept us, but also challenge us. And if we don't have that, we're going to be, we're going to really struggle. We're going to spend our, our life kind of on an Island, you know, trying to probably, you know, piecemeal it together. And it's probably not going to work that good. And um, I'm just, you know, on a personal note, I'm very thankful for you, Ryan, and, and our group, because <clears throat> I know that if something, if something was going on in my life or I was really struggling right now, I know that it's a safe place that I could open up to you guys. And I know you guys would be there for me and nobody would judge me. And you guys would challenge me and hold me accountable to, to, to living. Um, and, and, and unfortunately a lot of like 99.9% of guys in the world don't have that. Yep. Because again, like we aren't sure if it exists We don't know where to go to figure out whether it exists or not. And it's scary as all hell to admit that we need it. And so there, there's just, there, there are so many things that are warring against our call to be men. And, and yet I believe that through hopefully platforms like a podcast like this platforms, like the book that you wrote, the groups that you're facilitating to coach and uh, still, you know, uh, working with people as a therapist. I just, I pray that as we continue to push forward with trying to communicate this message again, not as know-it-alls, but as people that are on the journey with them, that we will start to show more men that there are opportunities to step into that aspect of manhood and to lead and to lead well and to accept that power and to take responsibility. Like there is just such an opportunity for us, but you got to want it. You got to want it. My, um, my old jujitsu coach used to say this and I, and it just rings true into our conversation right now. He used to say that your hardest day in jujitsu is your very first day walking through those front doors. Mm. Just, just showing up 
and 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 not knowing what's going to happen and the the nerves and the angst and that's kind of our invitation that's kind of what we're saying right now too and sometimes we just have to walk through the door or knock at the door or ask somebody is there a door around here it's the hardest first step but once we can once we muster enough courage to take that first leap then we usually find that there is a pot of gold for us on the other side of it yeah okay I'm landing right there because I think that if you're listening right now, that was your invitation. Like this is the, like the call to arms. This is the altar call, like whatever, whatever you're feeling right now, you need to hear Quentin just say that there is a door that is wide open, but nobody can force you to step through it. And so if Quentin's that guy, I cannot stand behind him enough and tell you that you need to reach out to him. Uh, He has walked the walk as you've heard parts of it. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to tell you more. If you reach out to him, he is continuing to push himself to be better and better every single day. He's created environments for you to be able to safely and comfortably do that. And at the same time, he's going to push you to get very, very uncomfortable. So if you want to reach out to Quentin, you can do that. We'll make sure to put his confirm or his uh, contact information uh, in the show notes. But dude, thank you so much. I mean, um, I knew we were going to have a great conversation. Uh, we were talking before offline that uh, we were both kind of tired because even though you you know um, you know we were at different times in our day, you just you know we both felt like we were at the end of our day and at the end of ourselves. And yet, I have just been given so much life by this conversation. I've just grown and just felt so much from what you've said. So, dude, I cannot tell you just how much I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Ryan. It's uh, it's been it's been an honor, and I've really enjoyed our conversation too. I feel like we could keep going on and on. So maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll plan a second one of these. Yeah, no, we should for sure. And if you want to hear that, reach out to us and let us know. Yep, we want you to keep going. We want you to keep talking. We'd love to hear from you. Um, as I said, if you want to reach Quentin, you can do so. Contact information will be in the show notes uh, on all the platforms. If you need me, you know where to find me. I'll take all your positive and negative feedback and anything else in between. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, to watch, whatever you're doing. If this episode hit you somewhere, please share it. There are a lot of other men. Uh, There's also a lot of women out there that are listening. Uh, They want to share this with their husbands, want to share this with their friends so they can share this with their husbands. Please, please, please share. That's one of the best things that you can do just to continue to push this message forward. In the meantime, no matter what else you do, please remember to be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.